Good morning. Great to see everyone here this morning. I wanted to draw everyone's attention before I started here. Uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to have Friends and Family Day. Not next Sunday, but the Sunday afterward. I believe it's October 22nd. I hope I'm right on that. Uh, but we really want you to invite your friends, invite your family, your neighbors, anybody to come and join us that day. We're going to have worship, just like we do uh, every Sunday at 9 o'clock, Bible class following, and then a meal, potluck fellowship meal. And then we're going to dismiss with a devotional for the day after the meal. So really want that to be a, a packed house here uh, Sunday, October 22nd. Please invite your friends. We have little postcards that we've made out in the foyer. Take a few, hand them out to some friends, post them at places, whatever you can do. We want to get people here so that we can show them the love of Christ. So I hope you'll be uh, uh, aware of that. Also, the next Sunday is Trunk or Treat. That's October 29th. So I hope you'll make plans to be there for that as well. And more details to come here in the following weeks. we got a lot going on. And then the holidays are going to be here. So the year's flying by quickly. Last month, David gave a lesson on church leadership. And he focused primarily on elders and in particular, looked at the shepherding aspect of elders. Today, I want to do another lesson on church leadership, but this time I want to focus on deacons. Deacons. We have elders and deacons uh, here in the church, and we want to talk about deacons today. Now, before I, we get into deacons, I do want to, to mention, reiterate something that David did mention last month, and it's the organization of the church, the leadership organization of the church. We have elders and deacons and ministers, but we are autonomous congregations. The, the churches of Christ are autonomous congregations, meaning that we're self-governing congregations. We don't have a, uh, a convention or a synod or an assembly or an individual that is in charge of the congregation. We have our elders that, may, that oversee the work. We have deacons that serve in various roles. We have ministers who preach, youth ministry, and things like that. But there is no governing body above that. The only source we go to is God, his word. Uh, and so a better way made to maybe explain this would be, you know, you go to any church of Christ here in the area, Azalea City, here at Creekwood, Regency, University. Each of these congregations are going to have their own elders and their own deacons. And they're going to run their congregations as they see fit and particularly again according to the scripture but our elders here are not going to go tell the university elders what to do and the Isaiah city elders are not going to tell us what to do because each congregation is a fully functioning autonomous self-governing congregation and that's the the biblical model when Paul would go establish churches not right away, but eventually the plan was for elders and deacons to be established at every congregation. And again, the church in Corinth wasn't running things for the church in Philippi or the church in Ephesus and vice versa, right? Each congregation ran their congregations as they really, they, they deemed necessary. But again, they had the, the, the guide of the apostles and eventually when the Bible was completed, then that was the guide. There was no, again, no convention or assembly or anything like that that was over an area of churches. So we are self-governing autonomous congregations. But again, we do have leaders, our elders, they oversee all the work here and they make the decisions for the congregation. And then the deacons again serve in 
different roles. So the word deacon in the scripture is the word you see before you on the screen, diakonos. That's the word for deacon. Now, the general meaning of this word is actually just servant or minister. So many times in the New Testament, this word is just translated as somebody who serves or who ministers. So technically, each of us are this word. Each of us are a diakonos. Look at uh, one example, Matthew 20, 26. Jesus talking about who's the greatest uh, among his disciples. And he says, well, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your diakonos, your servant. He's trying to teach his, his apostles that it's, it's not about being you know, great in the eyes of, of men and having this great status. It's really about serving. That's what makes you great, being a diakonos, a servant, serving God, serving men. So really all of us, we're all servants, right? We're all supposed to be serving God. We're all supposed to be serving fellow men. But no doubt there is an official usage of this word. That's the general meaning is servant. But we see that there is an office of deacon within the church. Look in Philippians 1.1, Paul addresses the, the saints there in Philippi, but he also addresses the book to the overseers and deacons. The overseers would be the, the elders. He's addressing the book to the overseers and deacons. So by the time Paul writes Philippians, there were already elders and deacons in place within the church. He addresses the book to them. But most notably, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to a, a young minister in Timothy who is in the uh, church at Ephesus, and he's helping him kind of understand his ministry there in the church. And so he gives him these qualifications for elders and deacons. And there, there's some similar qualifications, some overlap there, but there are some differences as well. And so you see the qualifications for elders and then the qualifications for deacons. For appointing these men, you had to meet certain qualifications. And so we clearly see that within the church, there is an office of deacon. Now, I do want us to understand the word diakonos, meaning of servant, really gives us a great idea of what a deacon does. It's the same word, right? Deacons are, in essence, like official servants of, of the church. They are over some type of task or some type of ministry within the church, and they do their, their work. They serve within the church. We have several deacons here in the congregation uh, over different aspects within the church. And the go-to passage really for this is Acts chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. We're going to read the first six verses, Acts chapter 6, and then we'll break this passage down. Acts 6, starting in verse 1. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now the statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of, holy, of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, 
they laid their hands on them. Now, what's happening here is there's, there's uh, some people being neglected. We're going to talk all about this in just a second. So seven men are appointed. Now, you may have noticed nowhere in the text are these men actually called deacons. Okay? It doesn't say seven men were appointed as deacons or seven deacons were chosen to be a part of this work. So some say, well, this is not really referring to deacons. So why is this kind of the go-to passage? Well, many scholars do believe this is referring to deacons. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is that a form of that word diakonos that we just talked about actually shows up twice here in this text. So they make the connection there. Secondly, these men had to be qualified, right? You, you see there that, that they had to be uh, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, of good reputation. It couldn't just be anybody. They had to be qualified. And again, we, we talked about in 1 Timothy 3, Paul gives the qualifications for deacons. Now, it's a much longer list there in 1 Timothy 3, but again, it, it fits the language there that it, these men had to be qualified men for this job. Also, you notice the congregation is involved. At the apostles' request, the congregation is involved in selecting these men. It wasn't just, all right, anybody who wants to take over this job, volunteer and you do it. No, nothing against volunteering. We need volunteers. But for this job, this task, there was an official uh, selection of these men. And again, they had to be qualified for this task. Also, again, a lot of uh, authors point out and commentators point out by the time Philippians and 1 Timothy were written by Paul, there were already elders and deacons in place. Remember in Philippians, he addressed the book to the overseers and deacons. So where did, where did this start? If it wasn't here, where, where else did it start, right? And so uh, there are reasons to believe that these are the, the first deacons. But even if they're not, we could say that they do the work of deacons because again, that word does show up here. The form of that word diakonos shows here. And most scholars agree that even if they're not deacons, they were doing the work of deacons. They set the, the standard for deacons to, to come. And so this is kind of the, the go-to passage. Let's break this down a little bit further. Number one, notice the need, the need going on there. And this is verse uh, two and three. I'm at verse 1, I'm sorry. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Now the church is growing uh, tremendously here. This is kind of the early days of the church and people are just flocking to the church to be a part of it because the word is sounding forth, right? And so a lot of people are coming into the church. And there's this ministry going on for some widows. But the Hellenistic Jews, these Greek-speaking Jews, were being neglected. They were being overlooked. I don't know if this was uh, a, an intentional thing or just an unintentional thing because so many people were becoming part of the church. I don't know, but regardless, people were being neglected. These Greek-speaking Jews rose up this complaint, hey, our widows are being neglected in this daily distribution of food. And so there was a need for somebody to take this, this ministry over to fix this neglect. Because, they, listen, the, the widows were at a disadvantage, right? They, they had lost a, a spouse. 
they, in that day and time, particularly for women, to not be married, to not have a spouse, was a, put them in a difficult situation. And so it's an amazing thing that a ministry was already going on to help these people, to help these widows. And, and I, I think it shows who, who was running this at the beginning. I, maybe it was just a whole church-wide effort. But regardless, people were being neglected. And so the, there's going to be a fix for this. They realize there's a need because some people are being neglected. Some people that actually need the help are being overlooked. So let's fix this problem. So that's exactly what they do. Notice the selection next in verses 2 and 3. So the 12, that's the 12 apostles, summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. You see, the apostles, they recognized that this was urgent. That, that this couldn't just keep going on, the neglect of these widows. And so they come up with this idea, let's get all the disciples together, the, the, the believers together, and let's get them to select seven men from among them. All right? So no, notice some amazing things. Number one, the apostles are in charge here. And again, that's not surprising to us that the apostles were the ones who came up with this idea. They were the leaders uh, really within the early church and had authority from God. They were in charge. They were the ones who set out the qualifications. They've got to be a, a full of the spirit. They've got to have wisdom and have good reputation. And, and you guys are going to, to choose this. And it's amazing that they involve the entire church in the process. Right? The, the brethren probably knew each other pretty well. And it would be maybe uh, advantageous to include those who knew each other who knew the men who could fit these, this qualification to be a part of this task. So they handed it to them to, to find the right men for the job. And notice that the seven men were selected from among the disciples. It wasn't just men that they went out and grabbed and said, hey, you'd be good for this job. No, it was men from within the disciples, from among the number. And so th they selected these men who were qualified and who could take care and were to put in charge of this task to take care of these widows. So the selection, well, the apostles gave this task, hey, disciples, choose these men who are full of the spirit, who are wisdom and have good reputation to put in charge of this task. And that's exactly what they did. Notice now the responsibility. The responsibilities, again, this is the same passage. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. See, the seven men who were to be appointed here, they were put in charge of the task. The apostles handed it over to them. The apostles noticed they, they had other responsibilities they, they were going to, to devote themselves to, to preaching the ministry of the word. And so they were going to hand this over to them. These men were going to now oversee this ministry for these widows. They're in charge of this. But here's the thing. No doubt these men took this job over. But I like to think that these men involved other people within the church, right? David did a lesson several years ago on this passage 
And I listened to it this week and pulled out a lot of stuff from that. And he pointed out some really good points about the apostles likely including other people within this ministry. Yes, they're in charge of this task, as it says at the the bottom there. But it's likely that they included other members in taking care of these widows. Again, the church is growing by leaps and bounds here. That's verse 1. The disciples were increasing in number. How many widows were there? How many widows were in the church at this, at this time? Who knows? Probably many. And so they, they likely included other members to, to help in this. And remember at the beginning, we kind of talked about this. A ministry was already going on, right? Now some, again, got neglected. But it shows that there was already a work in progress. Who was running that? What well, seems like some of the disciples that were there were, were a part of this. And I'd like to think that the apostles... Uh, that uh, the, the, the men that were selected included others in the work there. And so this would be a, a really awesome thing to see that, yes, men were set uh, apart for this task to be in charge, but they likely still included other members from this church. And we're going to talk in just a minute. The work of the church is not just for the elders, the deacons, and the ministers. The work of the church is for every single member. We're all servants, remember? We're all a diakonos. And so we need to all find our roles to to serve. Yes, deacons are put in place to serve in uh, particular parts in the church. We can all be involved in the work here in the church, and we're going to come back to that. But these men had a tremendous responsibility now, these seven men, to be in charge of taking care of these widows who were being neglected. Next, Look at the importance of what, what's going on. The importance of this selection. Verse 4, the apostle says, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Listen, the apostles, again, were very, very influential in the early church in spreading the word. They were given the, the, the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Remember that? And in the early church, they were spreading the word. And they're devoting themselves to prayer and to the spreading of the word. And so they're not trying to spread themselves too thin and say, all right, we'll take on this ministry ourselves. By selecting these seven men to take over this work, it gave the apostles the the ability to do their work, to be devoted to prayer, to be devoted to preaching the gospel to the lost. Had they been uh, doing this themselves and taking on another responsibility, Maybe they wouldn't have been devoted to prayer as much or to the ministry of the word as much. By selecting these seven men, it gave the apostles the ability to carry on their God-given tasks. And so they say, we're going to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. And they say, it's, it's it, back up in verse 2, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. And so it's important that, that these men were selected so that the apostles could continue in their work. They're such an important work to preach the gospel. And all of us are supposed to do that as well, by the way. But the apostles in the early church, they were really the, the forerunners who were spreading the gospel to the ends of the world. And so by selecting these men, it gave them the ability to do that. And notice in verse 7 what happens the word of god kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith because the apostles could continue to preach the word and and these men were selected and able to take on this task 
the word was able to keep sounding forth, keep going, and more and more people, even to the point where priests were coming, becoming obedient to the faith. And so we see this amazing growth within the early church. A problem arose. They selected men who could take this, this, uh, this task on, and they did. They, they, they ran that task. They, they ran that ministry. And the apostles could continue in their important work of preaching the gospel. So when we put this all together, really the job of deacons is to be a servant over some type of work within the church. Just like we see in Acts 6 here, these men were in charge of the ministry for these widows. And so we have deacons in place here at Creekwood who maybe are in charge of the building, right? Working on the building, buying things for the building, making sure things are running in the building. We've got deacons who are in charge of different ministries or helping with those ministries, serving in any way that they can in those ministries. We have deacons who, who help us with the technology, that they're running the PowerPoints each week. They're doing the sound equipment and things like that. All these roles are important to allow the church to, to run smoothly and to, to serve one another and serve those outside uh, our number. And so deacons are, in essence, official servants within the church. And again, we have several deacons. So we have elders, we talked about several, uh, last month, and then deacons within the church that are official positions that we see within Scripture. Now here's the thing. I want to end by saying this. We are all servants. We cannot for one second think that, okay, the ministers, the deacons, and the elders are going to do all the work, and I'll just, I'll just show up or I'll just worship. Every single one of us are an integral part of the Lord's work. Yes, elders and deacons are so important to be established within the church, to oversee the work, and to be uh, helping in an official capacity with these ministries to make sure they're running. But God's will is that every single member of the body of Christ is a functioning member and is helping within the church. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And he, that's God, gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You see, God designated leaders to be in the church. Some that are not today like we don't have apostles today or prophets today but the rest we do but these leaders within the church are supposed to do what equip the saints for the work of service our job really as ministers as elders as deacons at least partly is to equip every one of you to serve and to the point is for every single person to be involved to the point where we all reach a maturity within our faith. Where we all reach that, the point where we are looking like Jesus Christ. Where we act like Jesus Christ. Where our faith is mature and grown. And that's the point. is for all of us to be working. And again, we looked at other pa another passage. Jesus says, to be great, you got to serve. And there's so many passages about serving one another. Each of us must plug in and serve in the church. That's God's will. For all of us to be involved in some 
way or fashion in the body of Christ here at Creekwood. Now, I want to show you, here's some ministries that we have going on at Creekwood. These are some opportunities to serve. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. I just want to say that right now. This is not an exhaustive list. There are way more ministries, way more things. You may think of some things in your mind right now that you're doing. But we always need to help, help with events. We're going to have Friends and Family Day and Trunk or Treat in a couple weeks. We're going to need you. We have family ministry. Ricky is uh, the, the minister of the family ministry. But we always need people who are going to help people drive buses out to, to eat dinner. People who are just going to show up and greet people. Whatever it may be. Fellowship meals. We have so many ladies who help with that. And we always need help with our fellowship meals. Lads to leaders. Plug in with the young people and help them learn how to song lead. Learn how to do a speech. How about Meals on Wheels? So many ladies and men are helping with that. And it's such a great work. We can always use more help. Panama Christmas boxes. Miss Beth has done a great job with that. And so many people have helped. Teaching. Maybe if, you're not, if you haven't ever taught a Bible class, maybe think about stepping out and doing that. We've had several men in the young adult group who have done that recently. And I've been so appreciative of them doing that. Young adult ministry. Youth ministry. You know, some of you may say, well, listen, I'm not young. Um, you're young at heart, right? All of us can still be involved with these ministries. You can help, you can come on a trip, you can chaperone, you can maybe teach, you can do so many things to help out with these ministries, not necessarily being in the youth group or in the young adult ministry, you could still help. And then visitation, every single one of us can visit those who are sick, can go deliver a meal to someone who's hurting, just, just go be with somebody. And again, there's so many other ministries, but we want you to be plugged in. And our, to our deacons, I wanna say thank you for your service to this church and we want to help you in any way we can to fulfill your role here and your service within the church and if we can be of service to you let us know we want to help you out we want everyone to be a part of the work here at Creekwood so this morning if you're not why not if you're not serving in the Lord's kingdom why not start today if you've been slacking if you feel like you just haven't been where you need to be we want to help you out. We want you to be plugged in and serving here at Creekwood. If you've never been a part of God's family where you could join and you can serve, there's no better time to join than today. We'll baptize you in the waters and that you can have your sins washed away. But if you have any need this morning, we pray that you will come forward right now as we stand and as we sing. <laughs>